Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message. By all people involved, they were of, of consensus. They were one heart, one soul, united in affection and in will. They were single-minded. They were harmonious. They were there was unity with without dissent. In his high priestly prayer, Jesus prayed this. He said that they may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you. They are they, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have seen me. These people were so united. They were as united as Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit. That's intimate, church. That's intimate. Again, why do I belabor this point? Because this is one of the reasons why the church is so unsuccessful today. Because we have a group over here that wants to do this. We have a group over here that wants to do this. And neither one of those groups has an eye on Jesus Christ. That's why we're so... Uh, dysfunctional as a church because our goal is not Jesus our goal is not seeking uh, the, the lost our goal is not doing what Jesus has called us to do this is a perfect illustration of an orchestra or a symphony when you go to an orchestra or you've watched it on TV or you go to the band concert at, at the schools or whatever what do you what do you not see the same instruments. You don't see all drums. You don't see all cellos. You don't see, and I don't know what they all are, but you don't see all guitars. You don't see all bass drums. Well, you see a multitude of instruments, and all those instruments, and all those, all the, of that song. And it all does what? It comes together for what purpose? To produce whatever the outcome of that song is supposed to be. That's the way the church is supposed to be. We're supposed to be in harmony. We're supposed to be all these members that come together. We're not all the same. We're not all from different places. Listen, I'm from Kentucky. And I'm not like you. I'm not, I, I, I've, I've been in snow and all these other things. But we all come together. You know what? For what? For Jesus Christ. Okay? For Jesus Christ. So it's that symphony. But notice, the being of one heart and one soul, there was a direct result of what? The filling of the Holy Spirit. So here's the deal. If you and I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what that means? We should be of one heart and one soul. It's clear. Church, it's clear. Third thing there is, is there's no concern for gratification. Self-gratification. No one said that any of these things that belonged to him was his own. They were his. They were theirs. They, they, were, they, they belonged to them, but they didn't consider it to be their own. In other words, they held lightly to their possessions. They held loosely to what belonged to them. 
It was like they picked it. It's like picking up a, 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 a pile of sand and allowing that sand to just flow through your hands or picking up a pile of sand and holding it tightly, trying to keep it in your hand. These folks picked up a pile of sand and the sand just went. Okay. Because those possessions were not their own. They didn't consider them their own. They didn't consider them their own. They had land, they had houses, they had all these other things, but they were voluntarily giving that up. This is a beautiful picture of Christian stewardship. I would argue with you till you're blue in the face. What you have has been given to you by God. He has allowed you to have what you have. Do not ever think that any of that is to you. So there was no desire for self-gratification, but for meeting the needs of others. Why, church? Why? Because they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. They believed. They believed in Jesus. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Man, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, all we want to do is notice Jesus. Whatever that looks like. For them, it was noting that what we do have is not our own. And number four, they focused on the priorities of Jesus. They focused on the priorities of Jesus. They had everything in common. In other words, they focused on reaching the lost with the gospel and that selfless gratitude towards others. They were not bothered with personal matters. Their possessions didn't matter. They were temporary. Their, their land didn't matter. Their houses didn't matter. Why? Because they understood where that was. They understood that their possessions were given to them by God. They understood that all those things were not their own. Why? Because of their new found relationship. So what does that tell us? Without a relationship with Jesus Christ, you will not have an attitude of generosity. You'll not have an attitude of generosity. David Livingston, a 19th century missionary, once said this. He said, I place no value on anything I have or may possess except the relation in relation to the kingdom of God. If anything will advance the entrance, the interests of the kingdom, it shall be given away or kept only as by giving or keeping it. I shall uh, most promote the glory of him to whom I owe my hopes in time and eternity. Philippians 2, 3, Paul said this. He said, do not uh, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. So like these early Christians, our primary concern must not be self-gratification. It must not be what we can get, but what we can give. What we can give. But more importantly, our attitude must be a desire to see the lost world saved. So this spirit-filled congregation, this congregation that believed had an attitude of one heart and one soul. The grace of their generosity was also manifested in a second thing. Notice the second thing there, the activity of the apostles. Look at verse 33. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. The resurrection was the an essential, the essential part of the preaching and the teaching of the apostles. The resurrection is the essential part of our preaching and our teaching and our sharing. In fact, the resurrection was essential for the message of the gospel. Paul makes that clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 13 and 14. He says this, 
But if there's no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised from the dead. And if, if Christ raised from the dead, then our preaching is in vain. And what? Your faith is in vain. So the resurrection was essential. And if you remember, this was the very thing that the Sanhedrin had previously told Peter and John not to do. Listen, man, you're not to give testimony to the resurrection of Jesus. You're not to talk about this Jesus guy. You're not to do any of that kind of stuff. What Peter say? <laughs> man, I'm not willing to, to listen to you. I'm, I, you know, if that's what God wants it to be, then fine. But I, I'm, 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 I fear God more than I do man. It's a personal witness of Jesus Christ. How did this come? Where did this come from? Well, it came from the same place that that, that, that attitude of one heart and one soul came from. It came from the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the filling of the Holy Spirit. But it also came with great power, the Bible says. Great there means megos in, in Greek. It, is, it means mega. Okay? Mega. And power there. It's the power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. So notice, church, you've got to track with me here. Okay? The virtue of the nature of these individuals now was different than it was before they were filled with the Holy Spirit. You get me? They believe now. They didn't believe then. Okay, so their nature was different. The old nature. They now had a new nature. And by virtue of the new nature... They were preaching and teaching with great power. And so listen, we go right back to you and to me by virtue of our new nature, by virtue of being filled with the Holy Spirit and that new nature that Paul talks about, being a new creation. By virtue of that, we preach, we teach, we testify of the resurrection of Jesus Christ with what? Great power. Great power. Holy Spirit, great power. Because it comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit's power. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul says this to the church there at Ephesus. He said, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery. He says what? Be filled with what? The Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. That powerful preaching brought about great grace, the Bible says also. Great grace. Grace there, it's that unmerited favor. It's that favor that you and I don't deserve. But notice there's two, two groups that this favor was shown to, favor with the people. So in other words, the community saw these folks. They saw them being generous to, the, to their fellow believers. They saw them giving things away. They saw them selling their property. Man, what a witness. What a witness to the community and the world when they see the people of God doing these, being gracious and and grace in in, in our generosity. But most importantly, church, they found favor with God. They found favor with God. God smiled down on the people there at that early church. He smiled down on them. He found favor. As I was thinking about this, I was reminded of the Georgia Baptist Disaster Relief, and their motto is this, bringing help, hope, and healing. Bringing help, hope, and healing. The Disaster Relief is a ministry that credentialed volunteers committed to showing the love of Jesus to persons affected by disaster events. They offer them hope by meeting physical needs in the lives incurred by the disaster. 
Think about the activity of the, of the disaster relief. In the midst of helplessness, they meet practical needs. But more importantly, they offer what? Jesus. They offer Jesus. In the midst of hopelessness, they meet practical needs. But more importantly, they offer what? Jesus. Jesus. In the midst of brokenness, they meet practical needs. But more importantly, they offer what? Jesus. Jesus. Of the, in the midst of disaster, the Georgia Baptist disaster relief teams meet the practical needs of those they serve. But the most important activity is giving testimony to who? Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. That's their activity. That's their activity. Romans chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, Paul says this, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Listen, church, are you eager to preach the good news of the gospel? Unfortunately, the emboldened testimony of the early church stands in stark contrast of the modern day church. We don't have the same power. We don't, we don't, we don't, we don't exemplify the same power. We have it. We just don't manifest it. The emboldened testimony of our church has the Holy Spirit as its power supply. You know what the power supply of today's church is? The Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit. He's not changed. The power of the Spirit is available to the modern church. The question is, is the modern church praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that our testimonies of Jesus go forth? Are you praying to be filled, church? Individually and corporately. One final thing about this grace of generosity. One final feature that we're going to see this morning. The final witness to the grace of generosity is found in verses 34 through 37. The example of generosity. The example of generosity. Remember what James says? We're to be more than just hearers of the word. We're to be what? Doers. Doers of the word. So here's these folks being doers of the word. Verse 34 through 30 lands and there was not a needy person among them. Why? For as many as owned lands and houses, they sold them and bought the, brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. Verse 36, thus Joseph, and here's a, an individual example of, of someone who did this, who was called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, a native of Cyprus. By the way, Cyprus was where Paul's first missionary journey went. And you know who he went with? Barnabas. He sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Remember, church, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of pilgrims in Jerusalem at that time. They had come. For the day of Pentecost, they were all there. They were all there. Some of them stayed. Some of them didn't. But imagine those folks that had traveled from distances way, way away. You know, miles and miles and miles and miles. They didn't have any supplies. They had what the supplies they needed for the time that they were going to stay there. 
But they get there, man, and their lives are turned upside down. Their world has changed as the Spirit has come. And they've believed in this Jesus guy. And they've been filled with the Spirit, man. And they're, they're all wired up. And they're all doing all these other things. And then they're thinking to themselves, oh, man, what are we going to do now? Where are we going to live? What are we going to eat? Okay. Didn't have land. Those folks didn't have land there in Jerusalem. They couldn't just go out and purchase a piece of land. They had no money. Some of the ones that were even living in Jerusalem probably had lost their houses. They'd lost their land because of the persecution, because of the oppression. There were needs. There were physical needs in that community of believers then. And those who had means, notice, those who had means were meeting the needs of those who didn't. They were selling their land. Why? Because remember, they didn't count it as their own. They didn't kind of have any possession. They were selling their land. They didn't have any possessions that they wouldn't be willing to, to, to part with. They were giving those who were in need. Now, this is not an early form of communism. Let me let, please understand. This is not a form of socialism. Because none of that works. What this is, is a group of spirit-filled Followers of Jesus Christ who have been filled with the Spirit who recognize that their possessions, their property doesn't belong to them. It belongs to God. And because of that, they voluntarily sold their property. They sold their houses. They laid that money at the feet of the apostles. The apostles took that money and they distributed it to those who had need. So in other words, if there weren't any needs, then nobody sold their property. Nobody gave up their houses. They still owned those things, church. So if there were no needs, they they only did that whenever there was a need that needed to be met. They brought that. They sold it. They said, listen, I don't need this. I want to sell this. And I want you to give the, 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 the whatever it is that, that comes out of this selling of this property or whatever. I want you to give this to those who are in need. Picture of the other church. What an example. What an example. What an example to those watching all this take place. Those individuals that are selling their property, selling their land. Things that may have been in their family for generation upon generation upon generation. They realize this is not our own. This doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. But again, you not you don't see that. You're not going to understand that until you belong to God. It makes perfect sense, yeah? Perfect sense. Contrast. Another example there of Barnabas. Next week, we're going to see a contrast of Barnabas and Ananias and Sapphira. We're going to see, we're going to see that. The story is told of one day a beggar by the roadside asked for alms from Alexander the Great as he passed by. The man was poor and wretched and had no claim upon the ruler, no right even to lift his solicitous uh, hand. Yet the, empire, the emperor threw uh, him some silver coins a courier was astonished at his generosity and commented this he said sir copper coins would adequately meet a beggar's need why give him gold 
Alexander responded in royal fashion. He said, copper coins would suit the beggar's need, but gold coins suit Alexander's giving. Do we give gold coins? Silver would suit, but do we give gold coins? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, he says, Paul says this, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia, for in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. They had nothing. And yet they gave everything they had. Everything they had. Those who serve in the local church. When you serve in the local church and you do it because of obligation, you miss the complete essence of serving the Lord. Serving Him is a matter of love for Him and appreciation for what He has done for you and for me. Christians know, listen, we're only stewards of God's possession. And thus we need uh, to arise among our fellow Christians. When needs arise, those needs need to be met. Oh, it is a sad day, church. It is a sad day. It is a sad day when the people of God cannot come to the people of God when they have needs. It's a sad day when they have to go outside of the church to the community out there and they provide more assistance and more help than God's people. It's a sad day. That's not the way it's supposed to be. That's not the picture of the grace of generosity. So let me close this morning with this question. I wonder this morning, when God looks at us, what does He see? When God looks at this body of believer, when God looks at Southside Baptist Church, is He grieved, church? Have we grieved the Spirit because there's no grace of generosity in Southside Baptist Church? There's no grace of generosity in the people of God. We're not of one mind and one so we're not of one heart and one soul. We don't go about the activity of God. When God looks at us, individuals, and as a church, does He see the grace of generosity? Now listen, let me pause here. Don't just get caught up in the fact that you're thinking about this is just your money. Okay? This is not just your money, church. The grace of generosity, when we're generous, that includes our money, our possessions, our time. Whoa, preacher. Our talents. Everything that God has blessed each and every one of us with. Does he see an attitude of one heart and soul? Does he see bold proclamation of his word as we witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the salvation and the hope that comes through him and only him? Does he see us individually 
and us corporately as an example. His example. An example to the community. Remember now. What made these people different was they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. So maybe the reason that we're not individually showing the grace of generosity and maybe the reason we're not corporately showing the grace of generosity is because we have not prayed for a fresh feeling of God's Spirit. If you're here this morning and you've accepted Christ as Savior and Lord, you've got the Spirit. If you were to die today, you'd go to heaven. But as we've seen already in the past messages, we have to pray for those things. And God gives us that fresh feeling. He gives us that fresh feeling of boldness to share the good news of the gospel. He gives us a fresh feeling of generosity when we realize that those possessions that you and I have are not ours. It's not ours. So maybe that's where we are today, church. Maybe that's where we are as individuals, and maybe that's where we are as a community of believers. We're just not praying for the presence and the power and the fresh feeling of God's Spirit. Thanks again for listening today. We hope the word preached today would be used by God mightily as you go about your week. Again, if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. Have a blessed day and may God grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of Jesus.